Dude, yeah, so I decided to take a little trip to Japan with the whiskey that I'm drinking right now. I was going to say, do you have your whiskey passport, sir? <laughs> hey, man. Is the purpose so of your visit business or pleasure? <laughs> hey, why not a little bit of both, man? But There you go. Uh, are you saying that I've been drinking scotch without a legal passport this whole time? Oh, no, that's that's between you and the oh. um, director of alcohol compliance. Oh, all right. Well, I hope he doesn't catch me on this one. Or if he does, he uh, gives me preferential treatment. Well, I don't know. What did you did you buy that with cash card? What's going on? Yeah, I bought it with card, so it's traceable. All right. You know oh, what? We'll just say mode. that it. We'll just say that was your visa for the transaction. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> there we go, dude. Come on, man. Do you really want me to put my hands behind my back and you know do the whole drill? Come no, on. I think we've seen enough perp walks this week. Yeah, um, <laughs> Let me enjoy this in peace. Absolutely. Dude. Come on. It's actually really good. I. It's it's very it's very similar to scotch. Believe it or not. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, guys, and welcome back to Drunkonomics, the drinking podcast for the economics problem. I am, I guess the ease of it is, is happy Juneteenth, everybody, in the U.S. <laughs> and outside the U.S. We're recording on this, on the, my newest, more, most favorite June-based federal holiday. Yeah. Because it's a day off. No kidding. Uh, absolutely. It's a day off for me. Markets are closed. Didn't absolutely. lose any money in the markets today. That was nice. And that's a good day. Yeah. But I am... By the power of closed markets, the VIX, and whatever yeah. else we want to call it. Yeah. Your less gracious host, James Goldwater, uh, coming to me from two time zones away. But apparently that's where all the grace is. It is where um, all the grace is. That's... We have a more gracious host, the most gracious host. The most. The most. Aaron Wong. That's what they call you. Th- yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us. I got myself this nice Japanese whiskey. I don't know if you heard me earlier, but it's fantastic. It tastes a lot like scotch. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's, that's what happens. I mean, the funny thing being is when you... When you decide you want to make whiskey as a as a distillery or as a group of distilleries, and you just hire a bunch of Scottish guys to, or <laughs> Scottish distillers to come help you, they're gonna teach you how to make something like Scotch. It's it's a uh, oh, it's yeah. brilliant, dude. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, if you blindfolded me and told me that was a Scotch, I'd be like, yeah, I I don't know. Is it a space side? I didn't taste that. Quite like space side, but it's more. It's uh, so probably, the, probably for the south. What I've noticed is that there's a is Japanese whiskey uses slightly different wood. In oh. their casking, and it adds a slightly different funk, a slightly different flavor. Oh, that it is slightly different, but yeah, it's not like, but at the same time, if someone said this was like a Campbelltown or something, I'd be like, Oh, is it okay? You know, it's just like, Oh, I haven't tasted this before, so where, what, yeah, where, I, I feel where's yeah. it from, <laughs> yeah, but I feel like the, the flavor profile for scotch in general is just so wide ranging. Like, I mean, you, you take like a Talisker, you know, you compare that to, uh, I don't know, a generic Macallan, you're like. It's not even close to the same type of whiskey, but it is. No, you know? how is this? How so, is this the same? No, yeah. It's like what the heck, you know? Or if you like, if you grab a Hamilton, if you grab a Glen Scotia, it's like, whoa! This is not like the, the, all three of these are the same type of thing. It's like, yeah, they are, you know. So it's pretty, it's pretty unique. But uh, yeah, seriously. With that said, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hopefully, you have a nice stiff one in front of you. Uh, unless, of course, you have some driving to do ahead of you. In that case, don't uh, wait till you get to yeah, where wait you're till going. You're... Wait till you're done driving for the day and then start to start enjoying the drinks with us. And absolutely unwind. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Uh, so um, it's been great. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to talk to us, 
Uh, jump into our social medias, jump into our Discord. Uh, the easiest way to find the invite to our Discord is to check us out on Twitter or in the metaverse. They're not related. <laughs> yeah. Remember, Elon's very serious well, about that. The metaverse is um, like so 2022, man. Remember? Well, fine, <laughs> you know? but I'll be able to see it in my <laughs> Apple in my Apple optic one day, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> when I have yeah. that kind of money. $3,000 snowboarding goggles. Yeah. $3,500 snowboarding $3, goggles. Sorry. My bad. Sorry, I misquoted um, the price on that one, buddy. But uh, you can check those all out at the same the following, the Drunkenomical, yes. D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. Absolutely. And um, jump in, join us for the conversation. Uh, really fast comment, just want to throw out there to new follower, Zombie Tupac. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Dude, seriously. Yeah. Well, one, I'm just going to say this, man. I really appreciate the feedback. Uh, you know, yeah. we're not perfect in this, and I'm totally well aware of that. And especially when we start drinking, uh, we become even less perfect in some ways. Or and, more perfect. Yeah. And, and in other ways, yeah, maybe more perfect. But it's, you know, like we, we try, like I, I do notice what you're saying 100%. Uh, I am working on trying to to be better at it. It's just it's tough sometimes. So am I. James, yeah, I see. So like it's tough because like James will make a list of things that he's looking out for, and I kind of want to address the things on the list as he makes them. And then I hear what you're saying. When I do do that, uh, it makes James forget what he was going to say. And then sometimes, you know, if if I don't do that, then I forget what the comments I was going to make in response to whatever he was trying to say too. So. It's tough, but we're working yeah. on it, man. Seriously, I, I really appreciate the feedback. You know, even as the editor, I don't notice these things until someone tells me. So I really appreciate that, and we'll we'll, we'll work on it, man. Yeah, cheers to we're you. We're gonna try. Um, and then yeah, uh, we love the love from all the rest of you guys who came out in support, or at least to express your opinions as well. We yeah. love it. Um, all opinions are valid. All opinions are welcome, unless of course you're a um, an uh, economic libertarian, in which case, oh my god, no. <laughs> Then <laughs> I don't know what you've been listening to, but it hasn't been us. Um. <laughs> a little bit too laissez-faire in my for my taste. I mean, libertarians. I think that, you know they're not. Whatever. I just won't say. I, I, I you know, Econo I, economic libertarianism is exactly. just one of those things you're just like stop. That's it. it doesn't that exactly. doesn't make sense? Yeah, exactly. So with that, did you want to make a toast, or did you want me to make a toast? No, or I think is... I think you. Ha I think we both agree on this toast, but I think okay. I think you should make it because it's your it's your, it's your turn to make the toast. It is my turn to make the toast. So I would like to make a toast to none other than, and I can't believe I'm doing this because I do not like this guy whatsoever. It's not but my favorite either. <laughs> I I know. I see. That's what I'm saying, but. Uh, I, and to be honest with you, you know, from the thing, from the other choices we had to pick from, uh, not from the choices of toast, but the choices of candidates, you know, there wasn't a, a very good selection there either. But anyways, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm making a toast to Joe Biden. Joe, I don't know what you're doing with Ticketmaster, but I hope you win. Absolutely. I hope you win, man. Oh, that's so. So for those of you wondering, don't know. Ticketmaster, yeah. Live Nation, they've Seeking, all agreed yeah. that there'll be no more hidden fees. All of them, they're just going to say, they're going to flat out tell you, like, with all the fees and associated with it tacked on the taxes, they're just going to tell you, this is what it's going to cost to get this seat. And boy, let me tell you, that's going to be a happy day. I yeah. mean, not because the number is going to be high, but at the same time, I'm not going to be sitting there going, oh, 32 bucks. That's, oh, wait, what? 120? Yeah. What? What the hell happened? Well, I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, I think a lot of you guys that are listening, drinking along, I think a lot of you guys are sports fans. A lot of you guys are concert junkies. I'm a concert junkie. I'm a massive concert junkie. In case you guys are wondering, just saw Blink-182 last week. It was fantastic. But whenever I go check out at, from Ticketmaster or from whatever other, I don't know, event site there is, you know, whether it's GameTime, AXS, SeatGeek, I mean, all, all these different things, anything of that sort. Every time I check out, I see the ticket, let's say it's $52. When I check out, it becomes like 95 bucks. And it's like, why am I paying like almost double? Yeah. Of what the actual it's like what, what are all these fees that is not a con that is not convenient ticketmaster 
Yeah, I know. I will print it out and yeah. I, will, I, will, I will pick it up at the box office Absolutely. tomorrow if I have to. Exactly. See, like, I will go out of my way to not pay that fee. Exactly. See, back in the day, before we had to go through Ticketmaster, now we have to go through Ticketmaster to buy any ticket we want. But back in the day, there was a time where we could drive straight up to the venue and say, hey, I want to buy tickets for this concert at this day. And they'd be like, okay, here you go, two tickets. And there's no convenience fee or whatever nope. inconvenience fee whatever you want to call it there's none, none of that you have to deal with like you just ticket price up, plus tax yeah ticket price is 37 bucks plus tax 41 dollars and 82 cents or whatever it is boom done deal let's go i'm going to the concerts uh next thursday right it's, it's like that it, it used to be that easy but uh you know with this uh with with Ticketmaster, I mean, look at ticket prices now. They're crazy. They're they're absurd. Ticket prices are stupid now. It's so, almost like a monopoly. You don't say. You don't say. Hang on. Yeah. Wait a minute. Well, what did Adam Smith say about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Wait. What did he say? Uh, gosh. He said, "Get that uh, fucking board game out of my living room. I'm not drunk <laughs> enough for that shit yet." That's what he Six said. Six hours later. <laughs> yeah. Not enough scotch in this house. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But you no. Know, like last week. Like I. I Luckily, I got Blink-182 tickets for free, but hey. great ticket, great seats too. But like, I looked at the, the value of my tickets and they were like 500 bucks. And I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me, dude. There's no way, like, there's no way normal people can actually, you know, there's, like, I, I, I wasn't going to pay 500 bucks for it. You know, I like to think I'm relatively normal. So yeah, cheers to Joe Biden, dude. I really hope this wins. I really hope it, uh, it, it gets through. I still fail to see, and Eddie Vedder has been on this too. Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl Jam. Uh, he's been on this case too. He's like, look, man, I don't understand the purpose of Ticketmaster. And I couldn't agree with Eddie Vedder more. He's sang a lot of great songs, wrote, written a lot of great lyrics. But this, I agree with Eddie Vedder on more that one, than any of the lyrics he's written. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, that's and I love his statement. lyrics. He's a brilliant specific statement. Man. He's the yeah. Springsteen of the '90s, dude. He's freaking brilliant, man. <laughs> but like, that's the, uh, you know, hey, man. The ni- I always say, Chris Cornell's the Bob Dylan of the '90s. Eddie Vedder's the Bruce Springsteen of the '90s. Both brilliant songwriters. But yeah, I'm so in support of you, President Biden. Please, please win this. Yeah, please win this. You got everyone's on board with this. Mm-hmm. Not Ticketmaster people, but Absolutely. people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, with that, uh, is it time to pour one out too? I hate doing that. I guess. Okay, I'll. Okay. It's been a rough week for New Zealand, or at least the chunks I've been paying attention to. Let's pour one out for New Zealand entering technical recession and joining, <laughs> joining the Germans in Europe in, in that bad place. Didn't the UK do that too? Didn't they recently enter into technical recession? I think they recession? also did. Or yeah, that's. It seems like all the fun rugby places are getting technical <laughs> recession. Oh, man. <laughs> or all the That's fun rough. beer countries are entering technical recession. So Australia, I don't know if you're already in or if you're about to be in, but this doesn't bode well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's that's rough. Um, well, yeah. I mean, Godspeed to, to New Zealand, man. Oh, no. Um, they're, it's, they're fucked. <laughs> it's, okay. It's, all right. It's if, not good. If, it's, I, I admire it's, you putting it bluntly. Yeah, no. They got, they got some real problems, but... Well... Uh, Hopefully it stays shallow. I'm with you on that. Hopefully it stays. Sh- I don't like recessions, man. I mean, come on. Sometimes it's necessary, but it, it, you know, it, it kind of sucks, man. I feel like it takes years off your life. So you know what? I will pour one out to New Zealand. Godspeed to you guys. If there's anything we could do to help, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I've tried. I've tried buying rugby stuff and watching. From the All Blacks, yeah, but the yeah. problem is I can't I can't get the beer I want in the U.S. anymore, so I can't I can't do everything I need to. Uh, you know what? Here's what I'll do: I'll go buy some New Zealand wine and hope for the best. <laughs> there we go, man. See, we're doing our part. But yeah, uh, real quick, other other cheers and stuff like that. Jared Bernstein, I've noted who that guy is. He's chief ec- ec- 
economics guy now in the White House. So cheers to him. And then also, I was going to say, can't we just, I, I, I think we should cheers to Kava. Oh, they, yeah, the IPO. Yeah, just when you oh thought there God. was, there were, there wasn't going to be another IPO. There was one. And it, I mean, it. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, it's like the, the whole SPAC thing and IPO thing just kind of fizzled out like a flame burnt from both ends or a candle bent. Good reasons. It's really good reasons. I mean, just unbelievable, absurd valuations just from being publicly traded. And I think it was one of those things, but like the SPAC craze was literally just, if you're going to SPAC, you're going to take off like Snowflake. And it's like, like the company Snowflake, not like actual, like a Snowflake, just, just for the record here. But <laughs> <laughs> I had to clear that up. But yeah, like I think that there was that whole phase. It's like, I don't want to miss out on on these SPACs, you know? And then like Bill Ackman started doing all these SPACs and then uh, Chamath Palahapatia, whatever his name is, started doing all these SPACs. And it's like, all right. That was a craze that took off like like like. Well, it was also 2020. But it was also Remember, 2020. Uh, people were just were, like, "Oh, I got money and nothing, to, and, and casinos well, are closed, so yeah, well, let's go play some roulette." Yeah, there was uh, what seven trillion dollars in in QE. So where else is that going to go? New companies, like you have, like at that point, it's like we can't just buy stocks. You know, we have to do other things. You know, what VC venture capitalism took off too in, in 2020 because it was like we can't, we got to park our money somewhere. We have all this cash. Yeah, that we have to pay back eventually. So we got to park it somewhere before we pay back. Get some ROI on it. I guess um, so. He- with with Kava, I've never actually been to one. It's what like it's a Mediterranean restaurant or Mediterranean style food. But yeah. they they opened at twenty two or the IP, they IPO'd at twenty two and I know they closed at like forty something that day or at least I think they did. Yeah. But it's really fast. Yeah. None of what we talk about is financial advice. Yes, it isn't the thank you. Yeah. It is not the opinions of our employers. This isn't a communication from them. This isn't this isn't information based on any material or any other inside information. This is all publicly available. This is all publicly um, discussed yes. information. If you want to know where we where we hear a fact where and we don't cite it. Go ahead and track us down on the aforementioned social media. Ask us and yeah. we'll do our best to get back to you in a timely fashion and let you know. For but, sure, yeah. Uh, there's the only, there's a great line in, see billions, we like to go back to the same same tools almost constantly. It's always billions, it's always but like Wall a, Street or But there's a great call, yeah. line and it's either the first season, it might be the second, I think it's the first season, it's the Yum Time episode, but it's oh, um, yeah. Axelrod talking to Ben Kim, this is the character's names, and yeah. he goes, and, and they're eating like, they're eating snacks from oh, the little, wait, oh. like the cakes from uh, from the company, and essentially, Axe just says, "Hey, whenever you can, whenever you get a chance, you're dealing with something like this. Put a company in your mouth. Like, eat the stuff. If you're gonna make, if you're gonna go invest, you need yeah. to eat it. You need to put it in your mouth." And so, for me, I, I'll hold off on Kava until I've been able to put it in my mouth to make an actual opinion. But I will Kava's say congratulations in- on a. Yeah, I don't think so. Not in Nebraska. They're yeah. East Coast mainly. Yeah, they have three in Phoenix. So, oh well, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't know where else they are. I like. I think they're just in like the major metro you know, centers. I think is what it is. It's just yeah. I, um, pretty much think of it like if if there's a baseball team there, if there's an MLB baseball team there, there's probably a Kava there. I think that's kind of like the and of course other ones too, other other cities too. But like I, I think that's kind of like a good like if you want to know if your city has Kava, if it has a professional sports franchise, you're probably okay. Does it have an NHL team or MLB team or an NFL team? I, I don't say NFL because I don't know if Kava made it to Green Bay. You know, Green <laughs> Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, but, that's fair. Like, I, I mean, Milwaukee, yeah. maybe Milwaukee, you know, I, I, that's actually pretty high likelihood, but I don't know. Right. But like, congrats on a great IPO, man. Like when that stuff happens, I mean, think about what happened to GameStop. I mean, they it's like new breath. Yeah. So like it, it can seriously make or break a company. So, uh, congrats to them. I, I, were they that undervalued? I have no idea. Or maybe um, the guys who but, were, who yeah. built up the IPO just said, look, these IPOs of the past were just out of control. We need to, or maybe it was just like the first like opt they're just 
feeling optimistic yeah. about it. For the, for the first IPO they're feeling optimistic about for since I don't know when I can't think of the last good IPO. <laughs> well, it may also just said. based on technical based on technical factors, and then what we think market sentiment market conditions are. This is what we, we're putting it at twenty two. But yeah, no, spectacular. Yeah, I don't know what else. What else has been happening this week, Aaron? What have you What have you noticed in the news? I've there's oh, been a bunch of stuff. But. I was going to say, uh, Wyndham Clark won the U.S. Open. Uh, so congrats to him. He went to Oregon and uh, Oklahoma State before that. I never played against him, but uh, uh, I knew people that have. But uh, before that, uh, there was something pretty important to uh, something that actually is pretty vital to the underlying economy. It's something that we've all been paying a lot of attention to, at least I think we have. Uh, and it, re- it rhymes with uh, CPI. Oh, is it um, the CPI? Oh, it's yeah. That's it. How did you know? I, wow. you know, Eddie Honestly, is here, and Eddie whispered it in my ear. What a brilliant dog, dude! That guy's just gonna be the he's, most brilliant econoholic ever, dude. I don't know about that, but he's handsome, so he's got that going. Oh for yeah, him. exactly. I mean, if he says something stupid, at least he's good looking. So, what a good mm-hmm. dog, Eddie. Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, no, CPI was CPI was pretty wild last week. Yeah, I dude. didn't know what to be fair. I didn't know what to expect um, from CPI print. I also didn't. I I think we both were right. We knew that. Um, we knew CPI was going to drive the Fed decision, the yeah. rate decision. And I thought, you know, to be honest with you, like, I'm not totally sure, like, I'm not trying to contradict everything you're saying, but I'm not totally sure how big of a factor it made. I think they were planning on pausing this whole time. And I think. Oh, yeah. The, but, I, like, but I mean, if CPI had been like high, if it had been yeah, out of control, they'd have been like, well, we've got to. Yeah. I think if it came in at six, there would have been more pushback on the pause. But I, I think yeah. the decision was a little bit easier, but it just, it didn't sound easy. Like if you listen to the press conference, no. it sounded like he was very hot. He's just like, dude, we're, we're still very committed to tackling inflation. We need to see more prints. Coming in, I forget. I, I don't remember word for word what he said, but it was something about seeing more yeah, inflation de- prints lower. He, he, you know, he definitely left the, open the concept of one or two more rate hikes this year, for sure. Uh, but for those of you wondering, I don't think we've thrown out the number, but yeah. it was four percent year over year, um, down from four point nine percent year over year last month. So yeah, it's 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 a wildly good CPI print. I, yeah, I think I know we've talked about this in the past. I think four percent. I think between three seven five and four twenty five, that kind of average right on four percent. I think this is where we're going to live for a while. I think this is about. So for me, I think mm. we've reached a point where CPI is like not where. It, should be but like where i fully expect it to be because of everything else yeah well i you know i I think still i mean we saw this last year we're seeing it now but cpi is very much you know there's the other index too that we can look at which is cpi x food and energy which is a dumb index why why do they even create that like as um as charlie munger would say that sounds like bullshit cpi (laughs) i know it's ridiculous but like i think what you should do Maybe you can have like a discretionary index, right? I don't know. I don't work for the BLS, so I have no say in this. But like, maybe come up with a discretionary index, and then come up with like a with an all or like a total market index, which is the CPI technically, yeah, right. So, like, maybe that would be it. But like, like, why is the Fed even paying attention to the to the ex food energy basket? I have no idea. But anyways, so yeah, like, as a as a human being, yeah. as we get into summer, and I think you in Arizona, as we get into summer, would oh, agree. God. Without energy, oh God, the dude. AC doesn't work, and that's not comfortable. No. And without food, I don't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's death. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyways. But, uh, but the CPI last year was driven by food and energy. Now it's still driven by food and energy. Yes. Uh, because food and energy are 
Is it less? Is it less well, expensive down. than last? So technically, the way I'm it's reading not it is, quite, well, some some things are, but not everything. Not so everything, like, but and as you, I see it, eggs actually are. Eggs are now less expensive than they were this time last year. Well, based uh, so slight negative change. Yeah, well, I mean, technically, gasoline, according to the, the, this thing I'm seeing on the BLS site, it's gasoline and fuel down. So gasoline is down five point six percent. Fuel is down seven point seven percent. Energy services are down 1.4% with electricity being down 1.0 and utility being down 2.6. So, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like I'm paying the exact same for gas as I was a year ago. But uh, according to this, we've, we've made some progress. Yeah, on no, that front. It's, I think we I think we definitely have. Um, I'll agree with you. I don't know that I've noticed all that much change in gas prices. I think what I've noticed is change in gas availability. Because I seem to remember a few more pumps about this time last year having the yellow handle on them, oh, or the yellow yeah, yeah. bag on them from shortages. I also, and I'll say is for food, I haven't noticed it everywhere. In fact, some of my favorite things to grill definitely haven't come down in price. Uh, yeah. But some other things have. Like, so, um, yeah, definitely some of like the pork products, well, like, like some of the, yeah. it's like some bacon, bacon, pork shoulders, other things I buy for um, just taste good but uh yeah. so i've noticed well, some meats have really come down and i'm like oh all right back to kind of like where they were before all the before all this kicked off and then other things i'm looking at and i'm like you used to be like a 13 cut of meat now you're 19 22 dollars it's like yeah <laughs> yeah no, like seriously like i, I'm, I sound I, like I'm, at high v like uh what's that deadpool like when you're in that little mm-hmm. thing <laughs> and they turn the oxygen levels way down yeah so dude it's like yeah like it's still like that i mean chicken prices have gotten a little bit better i think too but yeah i, I still chicken, feel like eggs have sorted themselves chickens gotten better um yeah, so some I've, beef i'm noticing what i'm noticing is some beef oh yeah beef is beef still expensive time. i think beef has actually gotten less expensive because i used to i remember paying like as a bucks. whole as a whole but yeah. just cer- just certain cuts just certain yeah. cuts that i'm like oh i don't want to pay $22 for a skirt steak. Yeah. I want to pay 14 like I used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, ground it beef, I think. Ground much. beef is like, it's nice. Like, I feel like I'm paying less than five bucks a pound for ground beef now, which I'm like, yeah. what a. F- um, I used to be paying 10 bucks for that. It's like, yeah, what a steal. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. one of those things, I, I think that's what's always very interesting is that there's kind of those things that in an economy, there's like those little things that you always look at. So, like in uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, we might, we might be looking at like, palm oil in the united okay. states you might be looking at ground beef um in new zealand you'd be looking at lamb prices yeah right so it's oh yeah. it's these different things th- yeah. that if if that is out of control like if there's like there's always those, those very specific like oh if that thing's crazy that means that the whole the entire the, yeah. the whole chain's out of whack yeah the whole system is um, gone yeah well it's like it's like the very substance that the the people that really are the moving pieces in the economy if this this thing that everybody buys is all of a sudden you know 25 cents a pound more expensive it's like Whoa. well then where does that where does that money stop getting spent yeah exactly so you know what are, what discretionary things ex food mm-hmm. energy become a little bit uh a little bit yeah cc a little bit of deflation um but yeah it's a good print you know i think food is still up a little bit it know, is year it's, up, it's up i think six percent year over year i think it's still two more tenths, i thought it was like two ten, two tenths of a percent or something i, I thought it was like i'm seeing i'm seeing uh, food in general is up 6.7 percent from a year ago oh oh that um, okay that's what you're looking at okay yeah just food in general oh um, sorry yeah i was looking at uh, month over month my bad so when i said energy yeah. being five point uh being 3.6 down it's actually 11.7 down uh, year over year, that's th- that, that's three point six month over month. So that's my bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's, that was my that's bad. Like, that's, yeah. that's, 
Yeah, and I realize like a month over month does make more sense for like a person who's sitting here going, well, how much am I paying more? Oh, you're paying two tenths of a percent more this month for the same product than you were last month versus, you know, if you have a longer memory on things, which for seasonal buys of certain stuff I do, that 6.7% where it's like, man, what's happening? Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, we, we kind of have to look at the CPI thing. Like this is, this is a good print. I don't remember if it beat expectations or missed or hit or, uh, you know, I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. But You know, I, th- I, I don't either. I, th- I think this is a print that was like, I'll be honest. I think that when they, said ex- when they set expectations for this print, they had no fucking clue. I think they were sitting here going, we think it's I don't good. I think they ever do. Yeah, but I think this time they were particularly like, oh, it's going to be between like four and four, seven, five or something. And as long as it's there we're doing great. And then they're like, if it's over five, maybe we have to be more hawkish. And if it's over six, I think we have to hammer down on it. Yeah. Well, the funny thing too, is like, we, we are starting to see like good news is good news and bad news is bad news. Whereas yeah. like, remember when bad news is good news? And there was like, no good news <laughs> because yeah. there was no good news. Yeah. But it was- Bad news is good news and worse news is bad news. Yeah, I know. Like, but basically everything, like the markets, what they priced in, they, they only priced in one thing and one thing only was- whether or not the Fed was going to pivot, right? But now, like, we're seeing, okay, a good inflation print, 4%, you know, it, it means the Fed most likely, they're probably not going to raise rates anymore this year, right? Just just based on what the, on the data that we have now, right? Which I'm if not saying- If it were saying, to stay here or decrease, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. But- well, and like, let's be honest too, you know, like, we all know that monetary policy, it takes about- a year really to take effect you know it takes it takes a year of new issuances of bonds and all that kind of stuff it, it, it obviously you know yeah rate, rate decisions the, affect bond prices now but like for it to really take effect into the economy into our pocketbooks it takes about a year yeah for it to so, become endemic to the economy as opposed to like oh yeah. the banks or the financial institutions have seen the good news and so they start to buy sell and trade accordingly so it's like oh okay well they're ex- exactly yeah, like, or or take on new debt accordingly, or whatever it is, right? Yeah, so be- it, behave as if. Yeah. You know. So I think you know maybe this is the Fed. You know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like you know, the, the odds of a recession I think are going down. But I think it's still a rolling recession, like we said last week. I still think. Yeah. But I can't believe like I. Th- I think the Fed might actually. I don't want to say soft landing, but they might navigate <laughs> us to like, you know. They, they, like they might navigate us to either a soft or a no landing. I don't know whatever a no landing means. I keep yeah. saying CNBC now, That's... but yeah. But I think I I I don't I don't like using that term because I don't like I was so on the hard landing camp. But right now, like rolling recession or not, man, this is yeah. I guess maybe that's what it is. A rolling recession is a no landing. A soft landing is no recession whatsoever. And then a hard landing is deep recession. Is that belly flop? Yeah. Is that if they hike us into recession? But like right now, it's like, dude, it's not bad. It's no. it's not. Bad bad at all no that's actually it's actually a, a funny a funny thing that essentially you can look at like almost two out of three people when kind of polled think that the economies think that they're doing well um like 60 65 percent of people, yeah. people are saying like how are you doing economically i'm doing great how's the economy oh the economy's not doing well at all it's like wait what hang on yeah. how does that work how, well, how is almost two out of three people doing well but the economy's in bad shape and it's just, it's... Well, maybe I that's why we're seeing, I, I, like, I don't think retail, I, I mean, retail is starting to struggle a little bit, but I don't think it's like, it's that, it's as weak as we thought it would be. Like, did you think, did you think retail numbers are going to be this strong? No. Come I th- to, I, I, yeah, like... I thought people were out of money. I, I, dude, I thought the credit card debt thing, I mean, I was saying this in last November or December or whatever it was, I was saying... You know, we're going to see this freaking plane hit a mountain or whatever it is. 
But like, it's still, I mean, like people are still finding ways to spend money, even on discretionary stuff, oh, yeah. you know? So they're still finding money to like, spend might be a better way to put that. Yeah. Whatever it is, right there, whatever it is, there's, there's still, it's still working. You know, I'm not saying that it can't fizzle out, but what I said in November and December wasn't necessarily correct, but at the same time, I was not the only one saying it. No. And I'm not saying you were with me on that. I'm saying everybody was yeah. on that. Is that oh, we, we, like everybody was? We in definitely that were. I definitely was. Even ex Fed presidents were saying that. Even ex Fed presidents were saying like, "Dude, this this is terrible. Like this. Well, like this credit card debt is you know." And it's still not great. To be fair, it's exactly, not. Yeah. I don't. You have to. It has to be addressed. It does. Maybe it, it and maybe maybe does. the only thing that's addressing it is increased wages, keeping up with. Allowing for the servicing of more debt on by households. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know where people are finding the money to spend on on stuff. But it, it's still something that needs to be addressed. I don't know necessarily if raising interest rates is the way to go. Um, but I'm not saying it's not the way to go. It doesn't address so, that problem, but it does address another one. And the problem is, um, well, I mean, are you less inclined to take on more credit card debt if your APR goes from five point nine percent to nine point eight? I absolutely am. Um, unless I have to spend the money so, and then, or unless my income goes up, right? So income effect could affect that. But then yeah. also if I have to spend it, I eat for food to survive or because yeah. Eddie, the numbskull eats a pork rib <laughs> bone for dinner. You did that, Eddie? Oh my gosh. Okay. Cora did too. What? Yeah. For, for border collies that are supposed to be very smart. What they are they just, doing? They got hold of these, these rib bones and were just off like rockets. Off yeah. to the races to eat it. So what are you guys doing, dude? But I'll, I'll side note distraction. This is seriously like I can't get enough. Of this. this is really good. The scotch with Japanese Japanese whiskey. Is it so? Is but, it like the hibiki? I don't, dude. I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Like I haven't drank Japanese whiskey in so long. I don't remember what any of them taste like. So the hibiki but, that I had. No, the, you you would have still been there. So the hibiki we had um, is the yeah, one that had, was yeah, is, that, is the yeah. one that was finished in cedar barrels. So oh, it had that awesome. really oh God, that, that really so refreshing good. that really distinctive like cedar nose and then like that peaty malt and then and then into that cedar yeah. finish where you're like that's very distinctive oh um, yeah and it's such, God, a, it was good such a great smell too yeah like, that cedar smell is so good so yeah that japanese whiskey I, I don't remember it dude like i wish i wish i did but yeah i feel like it just happens like if you don't drink a whiskey for a long time you just kind of forget what it tastes like and then I don't know, dude, this freaking, this is phenomenal whiskey. Like, it's, I, Japanese whiskey is so underrated. Part of me is drinking this because my parents are in Taiwan, so it's a neighboring country, close enough. They're both but, islands yeah. near China. Yeah, they're both near islands. Near and not part area, of China. So, yeah, whatever, but yeah, dude. Oops. Yeah, near. <laughs> what did he just say? Oh, no. It's not Formosa, it's Taiwan, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that, might be, that might be as good a transition as any we've got. For yeah, I know, seriously. So, uh, speaking of which, what about China? I feel like we kind of left China last week on a cliffhanger. I don't really remember what we said about China. We did, last week, yeah. No, so what low. we talked about is they they lowered their short term their their essentially seven to ten day overnight rate by ten basis points. Oh yeah, the interest rate manipulation. That's right. Yeah, uh, with quotation fingers. So yeah, know. no, but then they they followed that up because then they on Wednesday also lowered their their medium term interest rates. So their seven to ten month interest rate they lowered by ten basis points as well. As the marker for like a beginning of it, it seems like there's some very, there's going to be a lot of monetary, monetary policy shift in that direction in China. So it's very clear that between the banks, between the central bank, between the government, that there's severe concern about a stuttering of the Chinese economy, right? It was supposed to come out of COVID and just be like an unleashed engine, like roaring and ready to go. 
and it seems like it's just hiccuping. So let me stop right there. You said they, what did they do with the short-term interest, or not short-term, what did they do with their medium-term interest rate? They moved it up or down? They lowered, they lowered, no, they lowered their, um, they lowered it by 10 basis points there, is what I think I saw. Wow, okay, so if they lowered it, and then you said the reasoning was, was what again? Um, like, it's, well, the, the reasoning is they've had some... They've had extremely disappointing economic news. Oh, yeah. So the oh, so the so one this, so this, I'm sorry the one year medium term lending facility which loans to their financial institutions lowered its rate by so the one year loans are essentially now at they're lowered by ten basis points right so they're making it cheaper to borrow money yeah in the short term two days later in the medium term and we should expect or I would strongly expect to see more quantitative easing more um more liquidity yeah. going into markets more intervention to expand the economy so i think one of two things you know one interest rate manipulation i think is a very common thing for a lot of central banks that don't want to make their economy seem like it's in a recession like right now in the u.s we have we're looking at a yield curve that is just so wildly inverted and it's been inverted for such a long time and every single time it's been this inverted for this long not every single time about 90 well it, it, you, i think is 85 to 90 percent time you enter technical recession or you see you see periods of down growth and um it's like they didn't well so I, like, we saw it in 2020 going into 2020 yeah well i mean like the, the rule the rule for the for, for the yield curve inversion is every single time we've been in a recession it was preceded by an inverted yield curve every time we've had an inverted yield curve didn't necessarily go didn't proceed into a recession but normally speaking, when there's a yield curve that's this inverted and for this long, it, I think it's pretty much always, you know, since the yield curve has been a thing, it's pretty much taken us straight into a recession. You know, so there's there's that. Like they, they, they manipulate the yield curve for that. But at the same time, it also creates a better lending option for people that don't want to pay high interest yeah, rates. A better borrowing for, option. <laughs> exactly. A cheaper borrower option so so th- there's two things right from that instance where like all of a sudden if there's a cheaper borrowing option at least from the uh what's up eddie yeah from the uh six to ten month uh well the one year the, the one year medium month. and then um oh yeah yeah so it well if there's a cheaper borrowing option there like what do you think it does to you know the bonds surrounding well, it right it, it's very clearly to me it's very clear they're trying to they're trying to get liquidity out there. They're trying to stabilize an economy that's that's growth was based so very heavily on the housing market and a housing market that's now collapsed right. or, or is collapsing or is or is mired in bad options. Like there's no there's no good way out. And so and, and you look at well, that, it's not it's not just the um, it's not just that that they're reacting to. They're reacting to the fact that. Chinese youth unemployment is the highest it's ever been, 20.8%. Yeah, no, that's, of, that's, that's, that's insane. Of Chinese between the age of 16 and 24 are unemployed. One in five, Histori- more than one in five. More than one in five um, are the ones that are working. Are right? unemployed. Like, are, so, are, of that, of that yeah. issue are unemployed. And then you've got- um, Of the ones that are actually in, working though, because like, there, there are plenty that are just folks in school. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm whatever, sorry. That would be so, considered yeah. part of the labor force are unemployed. Um, mm-hmm. So not not school. Yeah, not, because if one in five yeah. of all would be, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's but, but, bad, but based but, on what the, employment, the, the metric for what it takes to be unemployed, they are at 20, 20.8% yes. of that. You know, 5.2% of- People in cities, working age people in cities, are unemployed. Like that, well, they, I, these are like you look at the other side of the population spectrum too. Like the, the elders, right? The people above was the sixty five or sixty in China. Mm-hmm. We're seeing massive unemployment, not massive, but historically massive 
unemployment rates there. Yeah. Um, well, you're also seeing people resigning, so, and retiring, and, and and discontinuing work. Yeah. And um, oh, oh, sorry. Wait, not unemployment. The labor force. The labor force. Labor yeah, leaving the labor. Yeah, that, leaving the labor force. I don't know why I said unemployment because I know I knew what you I meant. But, but yeah, yeah. It's, I swear it's this intoxicating Japanese whiskey. But anyways, it's the. But yeah. <laughs> no, it, I, it's irresistible. It's whatever. I mean, <laughs> Chinese retail numbers. Like if I told you that like, Chinese retail numbers are up twelve point seven percent, you'd be like. Hey, yeah, it's great, but they were expected to be up thirteen point six. So they're not as high. They're not up. But people were hoping they'd be. I still think and the then, fact they're up is is just uh, that's great. Good it, job. It's, it's generally you speaking know? a good thing. But the the issue is is that is with China's housing market where it is getting hammered. You know, yeah. if you want, because uh, if your your very basic equation for GDP, consumption, investment, and then um, government spending, and then annex imports exports, yeah. right? Or imports minus less exports. Deficit, um, yeah. Yeah, exports yeah. less imports. That's, yeah, that's trade right. deficit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. <laughs> deficit surplus, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most economies, the US economy is, is, is you know, 70%, 67% um, consumption based. 70%. China, think, it's yeah. not, it's, it's nowhere there. It's, yeah, the US is 70%, but China's yeah. not there. China's housing market, right, is an investment. So a lot of their economic growth has been in that I, the I uh, section. And as they try yeah. to push the consumption spectrum uh, section of the GDP to, of the economy to make up for all the failings in I, it's, it, it's too much, too fast. It won't work because of that. And the next problem, and the, the real problem is, we've talked about this a few times, is that China's, yeah. it, it's very clear at this point, or it would seem to be that China's now in the middle of the middle income trap. It's just it's it, yeah. d- it couldn't avoid it. It's now stuck there. Well, well I mean, a couple of things, because I think, you know, China, the, the ironic thing about China is that like Chinese investors don't like to buy Chinese real estate. And if they did, they probably wouldn't have this problem. You know, <laughs> so like I think that's why that that that, that push to get to, to that real estate or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I don't know who initiated it, whether it was Z or whomever it was that push resulted in a big failure on that end. Which also led to a big failure on the consumer, uh, on, on the consumer spending. Yeah, you know that, that end too. So like they, they tried to be, they tried to do two things well by doing one thing well, and they ended up doing both of those both things, things wrong. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the funny thing too is like Chinese investors that normally invest in real estate, you know, if they're not buying Chinese real estate, guess what real estate they're buying? Is it U.S., New Zealand? And uh, <laughs> Australian real estate, because that's what it seems like. So, like, what do you believe it? So, like, I mean, I, I think what they did, like this initiative, whatever it was, I don't know how else to say this, but it just, you, you know, like how sometimes you like, you know, try to give someone a high five and they just don't. Oh, they leave you hanging. Acknowledge exactly. That's what it did. This initiative left Chinese real estate hanging. They're just they're well, up there waiting for the high five, and it's not. It's just not. Coming, and no one wants you know? it because what they've what they've actually put up is a skeleton hand. Like, right, the skeleton hand. Well, uh, because well, because no one can live in the house. Well, I mean, maybe what they saw behind it was ten feet. There was an American real estate guy yeah, go, "Hey, I want a high five too." There's, yeah, I'll give you a high five. Well, you know, but that's so. the thing, is, is, and we we talked about it. You, I mean, you've hit the hit the nail on the head when you said, "Well, an American, if you buy a if you buy a home in the United States within a, a certain period of time, almost you know, almost every time, because sometimes it doesn't work out because you have a shitty developer or yeah. or or the fraud or something changes and you suddenly <laughs> building's not there. But like, but yeah. in the U.S., like if you buy a house, you can rent that house tomorrow. Like in, it, you know, in theory, like as everything gets right, and, and you can and you can make revenue versus the Chinese house yeah. that you did that with. Well, great, you bought the apartment, but it's it's just concrete. It's there's no, it's not finished. There's no 
to conquer there's no electricity. There's no water. There's yeah, it's not the plumbing. Yeah, it's not yeah. a finished building. Yeah, so it's like, why would I buy <laughs> for four hundred thousand yeah. dollars? I could have this house with a pool and a yard, and I can you know, and I can rent that out to someone yeah. for two grand a month or whatever. Or I can spend four hundred thousand on this wicked penthouse that I have to go up fifty flights of stairs to get to, and then when I get there, there's no windows, no water, no power, no walls, no no lights, no nothing. Yeah, so like if I'm up on this forty-story penthouse and I need to take a slash, I, ca- I can't just pee in the corner, you know. There's there's no toilet, there's no working toilet. It's like that's how bad it is. There's no working toilet. Oh, I'm hungry. I need to cook something. The stove doesn't work. Yeah, no, it's like, and I can tell you, and like I can that. tell you, the like, delivery guys gonna call you from downstairs and be like, "I'm not coming up." <laughs> I'm not coming yeah, up because the elevator doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, maybe down yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's literally just a concrete structure and nothing else. And, and like, the th- problem with that is, you know, they sold these units and they said, you can start living in it by July 1st, 2022. And, it'll- and guess what? Come July 1st, 2022, it wasn't finished. Yeah. So, they've been living in this for almost a year now in this completely unfinished apartment or condo or whatever it is on the 30th floor of some building and it's like all right well i need to pee really really bad in the middle of the night and now i gotta go down 30 flights of stairs to yeah take a slash you know and, 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 <laughs> and they and the plan and the money to finish that building to do all the other things to make it actually livable um was actually going to be money from the next project that they started doing right so they well i mean t- technically it was money that ended up getting invested in the United States. Well, and that's, well, again, like, well, the Chinese real estate investor invested in the United States because he said, I no, that's, that's legit. That's real. Versus the American, you know, some, certain Western investors tangible, decided yeah. to invest in the Chinese real estate because they saw the, um, the wealth management bonds and they went, Ooh, that's a really attractive yield. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> when the, when the staff of a restaurant don't eat there, um, think about that. That's, hey man, this this bond trading at two eighty five. What what's going oh, on? Here? We better get on it. That's money to be. It's free money, son. Um, oh my god! But, but yeah, no, that's that's China. Like they 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 just. So I mean, and yeah, that, and that's why if you're wondering why um, the meetings in China. So Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State. Um, America's diplomat to the world or foreign policy guy to the world yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, has been in China yeah, uh, the last few days. Had an impromptu kind of last minute meeting with uh, Premier Xi, which yep. is was not scheduled. So that's that's taken to be oh, there's a good sign in the negotiations. Things are working out. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's a good sign for sure. But like, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm still recovering from what you said about them <laughs> investing in the real estate for the yield. <laughs> hey, like, <laughs> so funny. But yeah, uh, no, I think that is a good sign. I mean, like. I mean, whenever the Secretary of State goes somewhere, that's, yeah, that's that's the U.S. calling out the big guns. Yeah, first of all, that that's the guy, right? Yep. That's the ambassador for the rest of the world. That, that isn't the president or isn't the, the vice yeah. president. But um, whenever whenever that happens, it's like wow, um, there's some serious talk. And if it's welcomed, right? If pre- it seemed like President Xi was very well, yeah. open, yeah, he was very open to the conversation. It was like, dude, all right, maybe we get a good deal worked out. But I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily think you know. Out of this visit, they're gonna fix the demographic problem that they're seeing in China. Oh, no. I don't think they're gonna fix. Like I, I, China is still seeing like they're they're staring right at like a huge menu of problems. Yeah. None of which I think are like they, they have a real solution of fixing, or at least they're no. like it, it just doesn't seem like they're actually trying to acknowledge any any of their real problems. No. So I think it's easier not to. Yeah. It certainly, certainly is. But I think at the end of the day, you know, what it comes down to is President Xi, and we talked about this over and over again, 
a firm believer of this, but President Xi just does not have a, f- a real grasp of reality in China. And I think a lot of this is because he doesn't want to hear what he doesn't want to hear. Yeah. You know, well, if, he hear, if he hears... If he hears news that uh, fertility rates are insanely low in China, he's oh, we'll just you to say we'll that, just incentivize you know? having like, a third child or a fourth child, or yeah, or he'll come up with a with a limp dick solution like that. It's like, dude, come on, like that's not really solving anything, man. But I don't know. It's a tough situation because like China has been like a big like it, like it's been a bit like a huge important puzzle piece in the global economy. And oh, yeah. I think. As it's kind of fizzling out, you know, like if you if you listen to most geopolitics, geopoliticians, geopolitics experts talk, like no one's bullish in China. Like everybody's like, dude, China's on its way. Yeah, on, on its last which is leg. which is why the U.S. relation, the Western relationship to India is so important, or is is being touted as so important, is that India is the rising, uh, is being seen as the rising industrial powerhouse, the rising industrial manufacturer. You know, like yeah. I said, China's in the middle income trap. They've 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 lost their manufacturing edge. They've lost their lowest costs. Yeah. You know, they've lost these edges. So, and and they've lost it in a way that it's the middle income track, but if we haven't explained this in the past, or if we haven't, it just didn't go well. Um, <laughs> is this idea that as you manu- as you, when you start out as an, as an inexpensive basic manufacturer, you have cheap labor. Generally speaking, you have inexpensive labor, which gives you a, a comparative, a comparative advantage, Huge to, advantage ma- yeah. to manufacturing somewhere else, say the United States, um, where it would just cost more to make. So it costs I, more, but you get to a yeah. point where, uh, as you start to reinvest the money from the income you get from that manufacturing, you educate your population, you increase the quality of life, the standard of living. And yeah. as you go, eventually your labor becomes more expensive in order to support an increasing standard of living and increasing quality of life. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't thread the needle very carefully, and again, it's very difficult to do, it's why it's called the middle income trap, is um, if you're not absolutely prepared and really committed to doing this the right way, you end up pricing yourself out of being the cheapest or the or that com- you destroy your comparative advantage and it goes yeah. somewhere else that's less expensive to manufacture the goods. But you haven't yet gotten yourself into position to be able to compete on high-tech manufacturing or that next level modern manufacturing with the, with a developed nation. So you find yourself not industrially capable of comp- of competing directly with a developed nation, but also too expensive yeah. to be just the the manufacturing factory for to the world. Yeah, so that it's part a, of the um, it's uh, the assembly line. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and to your point, you know, I, I think if if you look at like the manufacturing workers in China, like the, the people that 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 work in the Apple factories and you know all the other factories in the world, like like these companies have been receiving a lot of pressure from you know activists, and I think to be honest, I, you know, to be honest with you. I'll say for the better, they've been receiving a lot of pressure from the activists to pay their workers better, even overseas in China. Yeah, and it's like when you have suicide nets on your building, it's not a good look. Yeah, and, and like I'll be honest with you, like you know, like they pay more than most manufacturing facilities in China. Like they pay more than a lot of them. They pay almost double, like the average. And I'll be honest with you, what they pay is still not good. Yeah, even though it's double right like so like i'll say that that's it's certainly for the better but if you if you factor that in it's like okay now like what china has been doing is like they kind of been leveraging like well we're requiring you to pay our workers a little bit more and we're really just doing that based on the leverage of if you decide to pick up your factory and move it over to indonesia or move it over to to malaysia like that's not going to be easy for you or if you move to india that's going to be easy for you that's going to cost a lot of money for you 
it's going to take you, I don't know, it's it'll take you years, 18 years to yeah. make it, to get some positive ROI on that. So are you really willing to, to do that for, you know, a, a loss of 18 years? And uh, like, they're really, they're really leveraging that. But I think as well, the pro- time goes the on. The problem is eventually the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, as time goes on, as, as more geopolitical risks come up and as labor becomes more expensive in China, which it is, I mean, if you look at the, the uh, employment numbers, like the explanation for a lot of the employment numbers is you can explain a lot of the unemployment numbers or the, the workforce participation numbers or whatever it is in China. You can explain that all by saying like they're not paying the employees enough, right? Oh, yeah. Like if you're 61 years old, like do you want to go back to make, do you want to go back to the Chinese factory and make $4 an hour or do you want to just retire? You know, yeah, like, and if you're finally at the point where you're able to collect your pension, maybe retirement's your is your go-to. Yeah, but there's a certain point where all of a sudden that becomes a little bit like you can be talked out of retirement if if they pay X amount of dollars an hour, right? Oh yeah, there's a dollar amount for everything, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there certainly is a dollar amount. So I, I I think China's trying to leverage whatever they can while they have time you know, left. Well, exactly. So I I, I think. There is pressure now on a lot of these uh, a lot of these big corporations in America that have these factories in China. I think there's certainly pressure on them to go elsewhere, and I think India really is starting to be much more appealing. I'm not saying it's going to happen anytime well, soon. Well, they've already done some there, and they started doing the newest version of the iPhone in India, which was a big slap in the face. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, and I'll say this too: Indian whiskey is fantastic. Emirate. It's fantastic. I, I love that one. Amra is great. Which, I, was, I was trying dude. to get that into Amra an Amorite, awesome, but dude. I can't do it. I'm just going to say Amra. Amorite. Amorite. Terrible accent, but I'm trying. No, um, yeah, but uh, you're no, you're absolutely right, man. I think uh, I, I think there's definitely a lot of pressure on China. But uh, with that said, if you're trying to ease some pressure on yourself, if you're just trying to relax a little bit, I know a place you can find a nice Drunkenomics tank top to relax by the pool in. Absolutely. And it would look great on a pool deck. It would look great at the beach. The great on the golf course, yeah. right up until security tells you you need to get a polo. <laughs> you need to get a make, polo. Well, we have those too. Exactly. Drunkenomics.myspreadshop.com. Absolutely. Yeah. Seriously, anything there is much appreciated. I love you all for listening along. And if you want to, to, to be a walking billboard for us, we'll take that it. It's also greatly appreciated too. But uh, that can be found at uh, what's the link again? Drunkenomics.myspreadshop.com. Excellent. It's, it's, no, it's a great time. And then uh, obviously, if you already have too much merch, you have too much swag, you're you're such a dashing econoholic or drinkonomist that you don't you don't need to rep the merch. Everyone just knows you're all, that you are. Everyone just knows you're that guy. Why don't you check us out yeah. at Patreon.com/slash/Drunkonomics? D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-S. And My help man. us keep that ice cold because I'll be honest, it was 96 degrees today in Nebraska. Wow, dude, it was 103 here in Phoenix. So see, ugh. and uh, let me pretty, tell you, that's that, pretty rough, man. All I'm gonna say is like, I'll be honest with you, a Miller High Life never tasted so good. Like that yeah, was, my, that was my, pretty bad. My barely cooled Yingling, like the one that was sitting on ice for, oh, you know, Yingling, it went from room dude. temperature on ice to for maybe 20, 30 minutes. I was like, that was oh, refreshing and great. Yeah, dude. Uh, if you want to leave a tip in the tip jar, we're both bartenders by trade. Economics by choice. <laughs> <laughs> this life chose us, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to leave a tip in the tip jar for, uh, you know, for us, Hopefully one of these days we'll be able to make you a Manhattan or a Rusty Nail or Amarota Sour or a whatever your favorite drink is, a martini. We happy to make that for you in person. But uh, in the meantime, if you want to leave a tip in the tip jar, uh, seriously, anything there is very much appreciated. That can be found at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Drunkenomics. 
D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-S. Yeah, that'll help us keep the lights on, the liquor cabin stock, the fruit yeah, it's frozen, fresh. The fruit that, fresh. And, yeah. and, uh, uh, and the, the chess being played. And the chess being played. And also, it'll help us not brag, just say. It'll help us fill and kill. But most importantly, seriously, my encouragement for you all as we try to do this ourselves too. I mean, this is definitely a pursuit, but uh, my encouragement for you all is to continue to do, what's that one thing again? Uh, staying drunk and omical, stay drunk and omical, be drunk and omical. Uh, stay drunk and omical, guys. <laughs> all those things, all those things, all of the above, man. Cheers, my friend. Cheers.